Hello again, friend. This is Evangelist Micah McCurry, director here at Bible Tracks Incorporated, and I'm a little bit saddened. We are almost, we are approaching the end of the week here on the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. Once again, we are joined by Pastor Joe Grimaldi, and this week we've been answering your Bible questions. And part of what we're doing is introducing you to a new tool that Bible Tracks Incorporated has put out called realbibleanswers.com. What I'd like for you to do is visit that website, realbibleanswers.com, and consider who you might share that web link with. Maybe you should text it to a friend that isn't sure of their salvation. We would absolutely love for everyone that's listening right now to use this free tool that we've put together. Now, in just a moment, we're going to get to your questions. Someone from Superior, Arizona asked this question. Is Calvinism heresy? And that's a great question. I appreciate the fact that you would take your time, and so many of you have submitted dozens of questions, and today we're going to address this question. Is Calvinism heresy? Now, Pastor Joe Grimaldi is with us. Many of you have met him on this program before. If this is your first time listening in, you will be blessed. And put your thinking caps on. We're going to look at some real Bible answers to this question, Pastor Grimaldi. Is Calvinism heresy? Well, good question. Um, let's start out by saying this. Um, Calvinism, for the most part, takes into account the tulip theory, where you can take all their major doctrines, spell the word tulip, and then use the acrostic to figure out what the major doctrines are. And when I was growing up, there were people that say, well, I was a one-point Calvinist, I was a two-point Calvinist, different things like this. Let me quickly just go through the word tulip and state the, uh, the points that they make, and then try to start saying a little bit about each of those points. So, so first of all, the T... You have the total depravity of man. And the way what I would say a hyper-Calvinist teaches it is that man is so totally depraved that there's nothing even in him that could come to God, that God has to give him the faith that he could even want to believe. And then the U, unconditional election. Pretty much that means uh, that God elects individuals to salvation based entirely on his own will alone. There's no condition at all to his election. And then the L in TULIP stands for a limited atonement. And that means that Jesus died only for the elect. That's what a Calvinist would believe. And then the I would be for irresistible grace. And that means when God calls a person to salvation, that person uh, will inevitably be saved. He has no choice about it. It is irresistible. And then the fifth, the P, is for the perseverance of the saints. And that basically means... It's a concept that if someone is elected to salvation, they will persevere in the faith. So if they fall away, if they um, even excessively backslide to some degree, they weren't really saved, and uh, therefore they weren't elect, and they, they're not saved. They've lost the salvation. So that's what a Calvinist, a hyper-Calvinist would believe. Now, like I said, when I was growing up, people said, well, I'm a one point, I'm a two point, I'm on this, I'm on that. Uh, I have always said I'm a no point. I'm a no-point Calvinist. And now I might be a little bit jaded to some extent because my church, when I was a, a young teenager, uh, split over this. And some of my Sunday school teachers you know, buttonholed me in the parking lot and started talking to me about it. And so um, I struggle with it. But I'd like to just go back and take each point and tell you why I disagree with it. Once again, quickly, I mean, I, I taught for almost a year on this subject. So you know, we're taking uh, 52 hours of information and trying to put it into you know 12 or 13 minutes. Uh, so 
I will apologize in advance for not giving you all of the verses. And I can give you all the verses that they would use and uh, all the verses I would use. But I don't have time to do that for all of these things. Uh, you could write in, uh, call in uh, to Bible Tracks and get further explanation if you need it. But let's just hit the surface of it. So total depravity. What I would say about that is that I would answer it, first of all, by saying uh, that in John uh, chapter 1, um, let's see, I think I'll start reading here in verse 5, uh, a text you should know pretty well. It says, uh, The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So first of all, in the marvelous text of John chapter 1, uh, he talks about Jesus as the light and that all men might believe. And then verse 8 says, uh, talking about John, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Lighteth every man. No. So if it lights every man, then there's something about God that is trying to reach every man. God said that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, the Bible says that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's so many verses. Now, the problem is, you have, to, you have to define a theological principle or even define verses with all the other verses. So somehow they have to all fit together. So somehow you've got to balance all of these equations. So I cannot balance the fact that man is so totally undepraved that God has to put the faith into a man so that he could believe, and then every man that he would put that faith into will believe. So that means that God would absolutely cherry-pick every individual that is going to be saved, and therefore, by default, he would pick every individual that's going to die and go to hell. And that doesn't seem to be consistent at all with all of the Scriptures. And it's not consistent with the free will of man. It's not, you know, well, go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and say, well, then why did God allow Eve to make the choice and Adam to make the choice? Why? Why do we let them make that choice if they did not have a free will? And if they had a free will then they could choose one or the other. And so rolling it all the way to two today, it takes away totally my free will or choice. Uh, I don't get to receive Christ or believe on the name of the Lord to be saved because, in fact, God's going to put that faith in me, uh, according to a hyper-Calvinist, and then automatically I'm going to be saved. I'm going to move on quick. Uh, un unconditional election. This is one that really aggravates me, I guess. And I guess the reason that it aggravates me is that the premise is that God would elect you to salvation, and it's totally uh, unconditional. There's nothing about it uh, that uh, has a responsibility toward man with it. Uh, but here's what First uh, Timothy chapter, uh, let's see here, 1 and verse 9 says, "...who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose." and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when you read that off the cuff, you would think, okay, well, that's kind of what it says. But you have to uh, analyze that in light of all the other scriptures. So if you look at Romans uh, chapter uh, 8 and verse 29, the scripture says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, hyper-Calvinists said, well, yeah, right there, you see it. There it is. Uh, he predestinated. But wait a minute. It's not unconditional. 
It's conditional. What is the condition of God's election or predestination? It says, for whom he did foreknow. So the condition of his election is his foreknowledge. Uh, And there's many other verses that would tell you the same kind of thing. Um, Let's take a look here at another one. Uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1 and verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. So once again, his election, his foreknowledge is the basis. So the condition of the election is foreknowledge. So it's not unconditional. There's a condition on it. And that condition is God's foreknowledge. The problem is you're trying to take an infinite being with supernatural characteristics and you're trying to bottle them up with finite concepts that man uses. Uh, But so I say all that because he does elections in the Bible, predestinations in the Bible, but it's not unconditional. There's a condition on it. And that condition is always based on God's foreknowledge. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, limited atonement for just a few minutes. We've talked about the T in TULIP, the total depravity. We talked about uh, the U uh, for unconditional election. Now let's talk about L for limited atonement. Uh, the hyper-Calvinist would say that his, uh, the atonement that Christ made was only for the elect. Uh, but John one twenty nine says, uh, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He didn't say he took away the sin of just the elect. He said he took away the sin of the world. Uh, We also know, of course, probably one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, neither of those verses sound anything like the fact that his atonement would be limited. Uh, then in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. I said to Micah earlier about that verse, always an interesting verse to me. He's the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Well, How is that limited then? Sure sounds like uh, he's the savior of everybody, not just uh, the elect. Then uh, there's a verse in Colossians. Uh, Let's see here. It's Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. And that verse says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth, or things in heaven. So he's reconciling not just some things, he's reconciling all things. And then let me give you one more here. Uh, In 1 John uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, And he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Pastor, I greatly appreciate the fact that you've taken your time and really explained this. You've given, as we've talked about, real Bible answers. You aren't just coming off the top of your head with some thoughts, some opinions about what the way you think God should be. You're giving us real answers. And what we're going to do is this. Pastor Grimaldi has given us the first three points of the five points of Calvinism and really has biblically refuted those points. So what we'll do is this. Tomorrow on the broadcast, we're going to finish. We've covered T. U and L today, and then tomorrow, the I and the P of the acrostic tulip is what we're going to talk about, and then we are going to rapid fire. We only have one day left in the broadcast. That's tomorrow, the close of the week. We're going to rapid fire some of your other questions. I'm excited to get to those, and thank you so much for listening today. As Pastor Grimaldi said, if you have a question or a follow-up, you'd like some more clarification, text me if you would, 309-316-7240. 309-316-7240. The announcer will be on in just a moment, giving you all the other ways that you can contact us. Thank you for listening to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. God bless. Have a great day for His glory. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.